podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to a brand new TAT pod. I'm your host, Ben. And today I am joined by two wonderful Scouse human beings. Paddy, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, you're on Yeah, I'm just, just trying to not let Liverpool ruin every aspect of my life until the Premier <laughs> starts, but we move. Yeah, there we are. We've got like five more days, haven't we, until, you know, our mood is dictated for the next nine months by our team. So <laughs> make the most of it, boys. Elliot, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I mean, the same. I'm just counting down the days till Friday now. I just wanted to kick off. It's like Christmas that day is United. I just need, I need, I know the championship's been on, but, you know, Premier League 40, we need it. <laughs> Absolutely. And no matter what's going to happen, you know, we will be excited. But of course, it's natural. And we, we, there's probably a bit of appreh- apprehension and we'll talk about that in just a little while but first of all once again let me shout out our amazing podcast sponsors your foot card these guys design unbelievable uh real life cards that you can get you can get your favorite players you can get yourself on there you can get pretty much anything on these cards guys and they also do like artwork and illustrations and stuff so check out their website use tat pod at um check out and get 15 percent off any order so yeah Go ahead and show those guys some love. The link is in the description. Okay, we've got a lot to discuss today. An awful lot. I thought we were just going to come on here, talk about the, the friendly, maybe preview um, Chelsea slightly, but we have a lot to get through. But um, let's take it to the game, boys. Pally, I'll come to you straight away. I did ask the lads um, in the last stream, is that the, the lineup that they imagine will start against Chelsea at the bridge? Um, and I think we all agreed for Matip and Canate. Obviously, we saw them swap today. But obviously, we saw McAllister in the six today, which has sort of thrown a spanner in the works. Obviously, I think Klopp did mention that Curtis Jones had a little knock or something previously. But yeah, is that sort of the team you'd expect to play on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I believe so. Um, the big thing for me is McAllister has played in the six before, albeit, you know, not not really... A lot of his career has been spent in that position, but he has done it before. It's not totally fresh to him as it would be, you know, Curtis Jones at, you know, in prem- at the Premier League level. Yeah. So, you, you know, you 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 force him to play as one of the eights. Whether he's going to have to play as a d- defensive midfielder for the first couple of weeks of the season, or at least Sunday, um, I'd say is pretty pretty likely at this point. I'd sooner him there than Jones. Um, it's just it's just one of them. I, I I think tonight's team will probably start against Chelsea. It's just whether you know we get someone over the line by Friday and whether he, he gets thrown into the fire as as it were. But in terms of starting eleven, you know, on paper it's 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 great. It's it's a great starting eleven. It's just the system doesn't look totally boxed off yet, which no. is slightly concerning. Considering we're less than you know a week away from the Premier League starting, you, you know you, you want to iron all these you know little kinks out, and they haven't really. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. But in terms of the personnel themselves, I, th- I think that'll be more or less spot on. Yeah, and Elliot, coming to you at the back of that, we've spoken about the system quite a lot, haven't we? And today mm-hmm. was another another game where we'll get on to their goal a bit later on, but just briefly, uh, one ball over the top and they score a goal and. With all due respect to the opposition today, these guys have just been promoted to the Bundesliga. So for me, I'm I'm sat there watching that game thinking, if that's what these guys can do to us, then Sunday mm. could be a very interesting game. But I don't want to allude to Sunday straight away. But yeah, no. do you share the same sort of sentiment as what Paddy was just saying there, mate? 
Yeah, with with the lineup and stuff, I think on paper it looks very strong. I think I do agree with McAllister in the six as well over Jones. I think Brighton's flexibility just in general with with there enough every position they have it means McAllister probably much more comfortable playing there. But um, in terms of the system, I remember we we'd done the podcast leading up to preseason, and as well as mentioning players here and there, the most exciting or maybe apprehensive thing was the system for me, um, and. And not not to say worried because I hate to say I hate to use that term. You know, the starters usually will be excited, but it's it's still one of them where you are ironing things out, and it's it's just not looking like it's all been nailed on when it should be. You've had the transfer market, and you're still seeing Robinson flying high up the pitch and one ball over the top. And we'll get onto it, but the system still seems like it needs ironing out, and it's not great considering how many games we've had for preseason now, but. We have to wait and to see how it gets on a few weeks into the season. I don't know. It's not a great way to go into a season, but the attack it still looks very good, even though the season <laughs> uh, is a bit, you know, touch and go. Let's say. Yeah, I mean the attack. There's abs. I think we said this haven't we, for a few weeks now. And there's absolutely nothing to worry about with that. You know, I was watching them today going forward, and I said to my brother, it's almost like the attackers have they've not had any time off because I've seen preseason games come and go over the years where we come back and Salah might look a bit disjointed or Mane previously look a bit disjointed. But this season, all of them look like they're absolutely rearing to go. I think obviously Nunes needs to take a few more chances, but apart Mm -hmm. from that, the rest of them, I think have been absolutely spot on. So um, we'll get into a few more players as well because there's there's a couple I want to talk about but like the admin says guys make sure you smash the like button and subscribe likes on YouTube is basically our currency Um, if you like the stream and like the video if you're watching this on a replay it gets it out to more people so please make sure you smash the like button if you haven't already Um, I yeah I agree with everything both you guys have said but there was one man I need to talk about um, and I thought he had a decent game in there today, but Cody Gakpo, is that something, Paddy, that we'd expect to see? Or do you think Jones or somebody else comes in for him? Or yeah, Again, it's 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 a similar, similar situation to what McAllister finds himself in. You're playing him in a position you haven't signed him for, yeah. purely because of the options currently available. You know, you've got to caveat it, i.e. it's pre-season, you know, people will play out, out of position to get minutes and, what, and whatnot. Cody Gakpo does what he does in the eight when he plays down the middle um, mm. in, in the front three. So, ideally, you don't want him in, in the eight. He had a good game, don't get me wrong. But it's it's going back to that. You're filling square pegs, square round holes of square pegs or whatever. <laughs> you know you what you meant, what, you get what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> Obviously, you're waiting on Thiago's fitness. You're waiting on Bajetic's fitness. You're waiting on people to get up to match sharpness. So for now, it's fine. Um, but I, I wouldn't be overly satisfied if Gakpo was to to start in midfield because it's, it's just it's simply just not his best position. Um, and again, it's a byproduct of the transfer market, um, which obviously we'll get onto later. But it's just removing him from the attacking third getting him deeper, he likes to come deep anyway. So I, I don't really understand why, why we have to start him in midfield other than the fact we've got no one else to play there. Yeah, exactly. And like Abfield That's... Lad says, Trent was playing next to Mac today instead of, yeah, I, I don't like Trent as a flat-out centre-mid, I have to be honest. Um, I think it takes away everything that he's good at. I think he plays much more within himself. I don't think he can create those angles to play those killer balls that he's been playing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about it. But like like Paddy says, I completely agree with what he's saying. What we're seeing right now is not what Jurgen Klopp would want to have in the next few weeks. You know, ideally we would have got the players in by now. And again, we'll touch on that in a little bit. It's not happened. So we sort of we're just picking a team that can play and get through the game. Um I think we we are seeing a little bit more closer to what he wants it to be, but until he gets a DM. Um, it's just a bit all over the place. And again, we will touch on that a little bit later. Um, let's go to the start then, Elliot. It was an absolutely electric start. We're tuning up in seven minutes and I thought this is going to be six or seven nil at this point. Um, so, Saboslai, so let's talk about his corners because this is the yeah. second time now I've seen him sort of 
go to the closer man to then flick it on to then it end up in the back of the net. Now, I think there's a bit of fortune in today's compared to the one where Matic flicked it on. But is that something you think that we're working at now? Whipping it in, getting a flick on, and then somebody else is there? Yeah, I was watching it with the gleam and smile after some... Because, I mean, we're very good at set pieces, aren't we? Like, the records. However, it never, ever, ever feels like that for some reason. I don't know if you feel the same, but just having a bit of variation. It was like when Shaqiri was at the club, they change it up. It always goes back to that Trent corner taking quickly. (laughs) Shaqiri was always meant to take that corner, wasn't he? Because that's Mm. what they'd done. They changed it up. Whereas, I think maybe last season, he probably didn't have that. Even though they were still strong from set pieces, I think sometimes Robertson's corners can be too flat. We literally saw it today. Yeah, one core and like loads of people at the back post and doesn't get past the first man that happens far too often so a change of just set piece take us off as like has that quality there's one of the many reasons Liverpool signed them so I mean it paid off twice today the first goal but a look but it, it's it's got to be a tactic because they, they've done it a number of times in pre-season and he's good at it, it it's a weird technique but he has a mad technique anyway doesn't he it's like a side almost fuss but it's it, it's him on set pieces, I'm really... In, free kicks, I'm interested to see more, probably as well as corners. Corners look like the he's good at they're just everyone scramble around the six-yard box. That's what Liverpool want to get. If you just don't care what the goal is, get it in the back of the net compared exactly. to some some maybe corners which aren't paying off. But free kicks, I'm intrigued to see intrigued to see how he gets on with them as well. If he can uh, take them off Trent like that is. Exactly. And like, like Elliot says there, Paddy, it's competition now, isn't it, for these set pieces? You know, we've got a few now that can take him. I think even McAllister took three kicks for Brighton. So it's not just all down to Trent now to whip in a ball or to even score. Yeah, it's always nice to have, have options, especially not having to see Andy Robertson try and take a corner ever again is, is a really, really comforting thought. I was um, nice about it. I was nice about yeah, it. I'm, I'm not. Um, because, because obviously, you know, Robbo's delivery most of the time is on points from an in-place situation it's just for whatever reason corners are just not a strong suit so you've bought in I'd, I'd go as far to say a sepi specialist in Sobers like and McAllister can can do it as well so all of a sudden you've got three uh free kick corner takers on your side instead of the one and a half uh you had with Trent and Robbo and yeah, as Elliot said, it never ever feels like Liverpool are dangerous from corners, but the stats somehow prove it otherwise, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Um so you know, it it's got to be something Liverpool try and you know, make something of this season because we we've got the physicality to really dominate um corners, free kicks, set piece scenarios. Van Dyke can art a massive if Sobber's light doesn't take the corner, he's a unit, he can go and do his thing as well. Gapo, yeah. Nunes, you you could go you could go on. We we've got a big we've got a physicality in our in our team which we haven't had I think in a couple of years. So if if they want to really nail nail that down, then you know, so be it. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think he's definitely the best corner taker. Now. I think they'll alternate whatever side it's on. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's brilliant to see some more players coming in that can take set pieces and. So, Bosley's corners in in this preseason have been on point pretty much every time. So, yeah, it was a good start. And then 2 0, bit of pressure, bit of pressing from a forward line, forced them into a mistake, which is what you always love to see from Liverpool. Um, you know, when you see that press and that intensity, that's when you know, like, okay, we're actually we're here now. Um, so, Elliot, they give the ball. I think Salah wins it, doesn't he? Squares it to Jota. He's on fire, isn't he, Jota? Yeah, I mean, starting the preseason like he ended last season, and it's very important because he, everyone was, I think, a bit worried. Down, and I'll say I was with that goal out that went on last season. But neat little finish. He's been doing it all throughout preseason. The header against Leicester, I think, the highlight for him. But uh, with with the press, it's good to see. It's good to see all the. Like, there's so many attackers on the field at once, but the press seemed to be kind of on point at, at times. And that, I mean, Darmstadt didn't help themselves, but I think it was almost, yeah. you know, Liverpool played them on pitch because you're going to have a lot of teams in the Premier League this season trying to play out like that. I mean, you know, Burnley being one of them just came straight up in the Championship and they played some lovely football there. So I think it made sense to kind of play this team and going to try and play out from the back, but also maybe want to kind of keep Liverpool 
keep it deep when they're defending. So it made sense to play them. The press was nice and all the attacking players kind of press well. I think that's very, very important for the clock team anyway, but especially with two new eights who are going to be kind of probably the triggers for the press, like we saw Lallana a good few years ago. Um, so I think it was important and it was a really nice thing to see for the second goal anyway. And again, Jota, clinical as always. I think he should probably have that position maybe nailed down, I, I would suggest, for for Stanford Bridge only because Gakpo is having to move deeper. I think going back to the point of that starting line is probably what we're going to see. Mm. No, I agree completely. I think Jot starts at the bridge for me. Um, but Paddy, um, <laughs> it, it, it didn't kick on from there. I was expecting more goals and, you know, with this lovely football we, we played and we did see it in glimpses in the second half. But again, as, as I alluded to at the start of the stream, and we've spoken about this for a, a number of, of our preseason games now. One ball over the top, and the cops have spoken about it and said that the protection for the long ball wasn't there. Um, is that a concerning, for, concerning sight for you? You know, we're in our last preseason game now. Like I said, I've got to respect the opposition. They are what they are, but they're playing long balls over the top of us. We've got Canate, we've got Van Dyke, we've got Robertson. Where do you think the issue is there, mate, in that long ball? And, why is it so easy to get through us at the minute? Oh, God knows. I'll, I'll start by giving credit to the actual finish because it's a really, really good finish. Um, you know, it takes time and to be fair, absolutely buries it. But my, my big problem in Liverpool's new system is the left back. Yeah. Um, listen, whether it's Klopp telling him to keep doing what he's doing or it's just the fact Robbo cannot stop himself from doing what he's doing there's got to be some sort of middle ground there because if you look at the screenshot from when the pass is played I think it's about half, halfway inside Darmstadt's half give or take Robbo's on top of him and then the back three uh, completely just in, in a diagonal line almost I, th I think it's Canate playing him on side Trent might be deeper as well actually Um of course, it's concerning because Liverpool have leaked goals for fun in pre-season against teams they really shouldn't have. Um, yeah. Bayern Munich is, are the only quote-unquote good team Liverpool have played in this pre-season. And even so, conceding four goals against them is an eyebrow-raiser. Conceding four against Greuther Fair, who, you know, let's be honest, just you shouldn't be conceding this amount of goals. But just to bring like Everton into it, for example, I think they've conceded maybe one. Maybe maybe none, one or two, something like that. Uh, I don't think they've conceded one at all, to be fair. Yeah, so this is this is my this is my issue. There are teams who are tighter than Liverpool at this minute in time. For some reason, whether it's the lack of the DM, whether it's the case of still getting up to grips with this new system, which I just can't get my head around considering we've been playing it for basically four months at this point, you should have some understanding of it. It's going to cause Liverpool a hell of a lot of problems, especially because when we played with a flat back four, we got caught out anyway. Um, obviously, you know, start of last season, it was always our Liverpool's high line. It's been like that for the last couple of seasons. Couple that with this new new system, which the players clearly aren't totally sold on yet. There's going to be a lot more players in the Premier League that have a hell of a lot more quality than Darmstadt. <laughs> and Liverpool will get hit by them. It's literally as simple as that. Looking forward to uh, Chelsea. Mudrick is is a real worry for, for, for me because he's he's rapid. All you need to get Liverpool is a fella who can ping a pass and someone who mm -hmm. has pace. It, it's, it's very, very simple. Regardless of the defensive midfielder situation, if you can see the goal like we did today against, no disrespect, a much lesser team, the higher-ups in the Premier League are, are going to absolutely killer so something needs sorting I don't know what that is um, but yeah it, it, it doesn't look promising if you, if you just want to talk about the attack that's fine but the, the defence is a, is a really big problem yeah and completely echo what you just said but Elliot coming to you Klopp has said in his post-match comments that in the next five or six days we need to find a formation for the Chelsea game not the whole season is that telling? Is is he not trusting this away at Stamford Bridge? I mean, I think you can take that in many ways. I mean, I'm sure everyone will, and you know, yeah. depict it as whatever you want to want to think about it. But maybe I'm gonna for the Chelsea game, not for the whole season. That makes me think that 
Because what I'm literally about to say is you bank on Liverpool the system dominating the ball. They'll do that against anyone at Anfield, really. Away from home against the big six, Klopp loves a counter-attack and it's Liverpool all over. Open the day of the season against the Chelsea team, we're going to be rejuvenated under Pochettino and they've looked good in pre-season. Again, pre-season, you know, everyone to take it, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, but you can't ignore it. Um, so maybe it could be insinuating going back to the 4-3-3. I really hope he isn't. Because um, I do, ra- I would rather have this risky formation than the 4-3-3. I think that 4-3-3 is done. Um, what, what, whatever he's referring to in that, I, I couldn't tell you because what we've watched for a few weeks is the system trying to, you know, embed the system into the players and the new players. So if he wants to change that five, six days before a new season, I, I would. That's concerning for me. However, it, I would think it's just for that game, but still, so soon to the game isn't great. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you would think, but I'm not. I'm not having that. That can be a good thing. Yeah, I mean. I would have thought that if if that crossed his mind, he would have made his mind up, and today we would have seen something different. Yeah, but... surely we'd have seen half times. We'd yeah. seen the plan B, but we haven't. It's always been this. So exactly, I, I yeah. don't know. Plan B ever? We don't have a plan B at any point. <laughs> I don't know what it could it's, be. It's, like it's one or nothing. Yeah, we, yeah. No, no it's, five it is. Mm. it's true. It's so. true. Um, yeah, I. I... I think I, I stand by it, and I said it before in the in the last show. Um, and by the way, we're going to be talking to a Chelsea fan on Thursday night, and I'm going to tell you guys who it is. It is Carefree Lewis, if you know who he is, from Chelsea Fan TV, quite a big content creator. So make sure you stick around on Thursday night, 7pm. We'll be live with uh, Lewis to discuss the game. Um, but I've been I've been saying for a while, I, I, I genuinely believe that, this could be the best time to play Chelsea because if you play them in the middle of them, we might have a bit of form and then you have to go to the bridge. We all know what happens at the bridge usually. It's nil-nil, right? So now both teams are kind of uncertain as to what's going to happen. I don't think both teams are anywhere near, you know, what they want to have for the majority of the season. Chelsea's midfield's still weak. Our midfield's still weak. Um, You know, I don't think they're convinced defensively either. So, exactly, Georgie says that Chelsea don't have a DM either. So, this game, guys, this could be a mad one because it's normally <laughs> the most boring dual fair when we play Chelsea in big games. Um, this one could be genuinely be different. This could be full of goals and mad stuff in play. And I think that's our saving grace, really. I would be extremely worried had Chelsea got all their business done and looked convinced in pre-season. But I still think that this is the best time for us to play them. Yeah, it's not ideal. And we would have had such an advantage had we got our business done by now. Like if we had the DM and if Lavia had come in um, and he had three games in pre-season, we'd got the system correct. I'd be going to the bridge full of confidence. But as of now, we, we don't really know what to expect. Um, just this talk as well. I have seen it. Um, we'll wait until it comes from a more respectable source. Let's just say that politely. Um, but yeah, if it comes from a better source, we'll <laughs> we'll definitely tweet it. But um, yeah, let's just leave it there for now. But um, yeah, I mean, Elliot, second half, mate, we made a bunch of subs. They seemed to play a bit better, to be fair, didn't they? <laughs> well, I mean, it was just exciting, wasn't it? I mean, I'm sure you'll uh, mention them for Doke. I, yeah, I, I was, I was very like persistent on cup games, Europa League groups, easily. But I think we're going to see him start in Premier League games, you know, because he, he must be one of the most fearless kids I've ever seen play football. He looked immense. Again, all due respect to Darmstadt, but it is only Darmstadt. But he's done it, yeah. done it against Bayern, done it against everyone else in preseason. I think he's there's, there's someone special there. Liverpool have got to manage him properly, though. There's, there's always that when the young to come through and you've got to wait and kind of you know you can't just throw him in and they're not going to they can't they've got Salah on the wing but he should be getting quite a few Premier League minutes I'd imagine imagine if it, especially with all this at the time now you've got about 15 minutes other than you've got Doak throw him on with the, the 90th minute but then at someone if it's 1-1 or something I think it's a really exciting talent he showed it so many times a day unlucky he didn't get a goal he got in a couple of times as well um, him and the US coming off the bench it should be should be fun but <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you'll mention Nunes, but a little bit of a you know, as you said, take take more chances, but a bit of a bit of a. I was excited at the start of preseason, and I'm now just not. If that makes sense, I'm a bit more worries <laughs> rather than um, you know. Is that just about of, Nunes? 
Yeah, Nunes. Yeah. I was really like the the one player, you know, instead of all the, the youngsters, the one player I was nailed on so excited to see was Nunes because I wanted to, I wanted to go into Stamford Bridge and him had made the biggest claim ever to be the starting striker throws. And it looked like he was starting to do that and then Klopp just benches him, which is disappointing mm. because, it, you know, you want to see him, but it makes sense because some of the chance today looked just a bit nunes shall we say. I feel harsh saying it because I absolutely love him. But there was a few times in the air and stuff, he was a bit all over the place and the link up play just isn't really the same uh, than it is with like Diaz, Gakpo, Jota, it's all little flicks around the corners. Nunes, it, it makes sense because he's an out-and-out striker, but it's not quite the same. So I don't think we'll see him starting against Chelsea. But with, with the likes of, you know, teams are going to sit back at home. I think he's definitely got to start. I don't think he can afford not to start him, really. Yeah, Paddy, just coming back to Ben Doak, mate. Elliot just touched on him there. For me... This kid is, I'm going to say it, he is the truth for me. I've, I've barely seen a 16, 17-year-old lad come on um, and just make mincemeat out of fully grown men. Like, it's a rarity for me. So, how? What, what's your thoughts on Ben Doak, mate? And do you see him taking off the season for us? I can't believe he's only 17. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't believe he's got that, you know, He's got the rare ability to make you get up off your seat. And I know mm. that's a horrendous cliche, but <laughs> I, I remember when he came on against Derby in the League Cup, um, every single time he, he went down our right-hand side and he absolutely just roasted the, the defence. And I, I was on the cop and you could tell everyone just sort of, you know, took took notice. Obviously, I think that was that may well have been his first appearance. Um Obviously, you have the thing against Villa when he spins Dinya. You know, mm. he's no mug. He's been in the Premier League for a, a number mm. of seasons. If if Liverpool weren't planning on having Ben Doak around this season, he'd have been sent on loan by now. I think Ben Doak is Salah's replacement for Afcon, because um, obviously that's going to have to be sorted. I don't think Harvey Elliott's going to be Liverpool's right wing right wing replacement. Liverpool have a perfect opportunity to really give kids who, for my money, looks good enough already. They've got a lot of free reign to really play with, with, with Ben Doak's minutes this season. Europa League, I don't see Mo Salah starting a Europa League game until at least the quarters <laughs> if we get there. Um, so, Doak's got at least six games in there. League Cup, FA Cup, Premier League games, as Elliot said. This is the most excited I've been about a Liverpool youngster probably since Trent. I know there haven't been there haven't been many since, so that's probably the obvious thing to, thing to say. <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the fact that this kid's just come on the scene and he just blows everyone blows everyone away. And he sounds because I met him a few weeks ago. He's great. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. He sounds. I think I I think I actually knew about that. Yeah, to be fair, I think you. Yeah, I put on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that. Um, guys, there is 30 of you in here. And before I watch Lyrical about the Scottish message, please make sure you smash the like button on the, on the stream. That would be an absolute um, help for us. But yeah, no, I agree. The whole thing you said about, you know, when you've got Doak, you know, you just feel like something can happen at any point. Um, I've barely ever seen a, a youngster as confident as him, to be honest. Like, every time he gets the ball, and look, you can say, like, the standard of the opposition we're playing against or whatever. But at the end of the day, these are fully grown seasoned professionals. Like these aren't, you know, bums. Like they compared to our first team, yeah, okay, fine. There might be. But when you're looking at a kid, like a literal child, like and he's got that confidence to just tear them apart. Like every single time he comes on, he's like, okay, who's gonna get it this time? You know, and he just does it time and time again. The only thing, and this is a scary thought that I'm about to say, the only thing I think he needs to finish work on is his end product, and that's absolutely fine for a 17 year old. Like, if that's all he needs to work on, then flipping it, we've got some talent here, and I think it's perfect for him this season. Elliot, I think you hit the nail on the head a few a few streams back. We're in a, a rare position now with us under Jurgen Klopp, where we can give the players like Ben Doak a chance. Thursday nights, Ben Doak, give him that chance. Give him that, mm-hmm. you know, that platform for him to just go out there, no pressure on him, and just play. And I think that would be absolutely brilliant for him because I remember a certain number, 80, 
two, I think that was his kit number, Bakayi Saka. I can't remember what he was at Arsenal. But I remember when he... 70-something. 70-something, yeah, I can't remember. But he was a massively high number. But I remember when he came on the scene, Europa Leagues was where he made his name. Same mm-hmm. thing. Just go out there and play, show the world what you can do sort of thing. So I think we do that with Doak. Give him the cups. Give Salah a break as well. I mean, Salah, I'm touching wood here. He's been blessed with injuries anyway. <laughs> but if we could just not rely on him as much in these competitions, which, by the way, I do want to win. I really want to win. But I I still think we can go far in them with starting Ben Doak on the wing. That's how good I, I think this kid is. Uh, Doak versus Short Anfield when we're already 6 a up will be nasty. 100%. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to to, um, yeah, next season. But, yeah, I mean... That's pretty much all I had. Do any before we move on to the transfer stuff? Do any of you two have any? Oh, we haven't talked about the. I thought we'd. Uh... Sorry, I thought we'd just finished it all there for some reason. But yeah, again, we just talked about Sabosla's corners, Elliot, and that one and the flick from Diaz. It was just beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a proper, proper like somebody worked on instead of a bit of a you know. A flick on or whatever, where it's get, get the bounce gets lucky and comes to Salah, it's a bit of an easy finish. But it, Diaz is on the keep and he comes round. Some of these definitely worked on. I think, I mean, the, the finish is obscenely good. Um, so it's probably not some of these worked on to that closely, but uh, you know, a little header or something at the front post. I think we should. I'd be disappointed if we're not seeing that a lot this season. Uh, Diaz's flick is everything Diaz is about. And I, I was, I'm excited about He was one of my big things for this pre season in terms of his. Out natural output in terms of goal scorer and just how how he looked because he looked rusty, which is perfectly fine in the running last season when he just about came back. He looks electric, and I'm really really excited. And I'm fingers are crossing, I'm touching wood every, and he does get injured again like last season because he's some special player. I'm really really excited. He's gets your, imagine him and Dope on the wings get on the Europa League. I mean, I'm not saying Diaz will play Europa League, but I think you'll be on your feet for the whole ninety minutes watching them too. So I'm really excited for Diaz. Yeah, Paddy, talked to me about Luis Diaz. Elite just says there that, you know, we obviously had the injury last season. And I remember saying at the end of last season, if Diaz never got injured, I genuinely think we would have got top four. Mm. Big, big miss. Yeah. Um, people forget about last season in regards to injuries and how that played a part in Liverpool season. Jota and Diaz being injured for, you know, half of it, more or less. It, it's, a, it's a big, big thing. And... That's the great thing about this preseason. Jot has been fine and Diaz has been great. He's been he's been he's been superb. I still don't know who's going to start on the left. We've got three options, but um, but in terms of of Diaz today, looks as though he's starting to really find his feet. Um, you know the goal's the goal. It, it's very Diaz. It, the goal. Uh, it's it's eccentric. It's. It's clever, you know, he, he loves them little flicks and touches. He very nearly scored one of the best goals I've ever seen about 10 minutes later, <laughs> where he's oh, flicking yeah. over everyone's heads and, and whatever. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Um, so, listen, if Diaz can stay fit and can, can put together a real run of consistent, consistency, he's, he's going to be great for Liverpool. And the, I said about Robbo before, I think he's the a big problem in Liverpool's new system. Positive out of playing and playing him is they've linked up really well. Um, especially, uh, I can't remember who was against. It all blends into one preseason, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it looks as though Robbo's starting to get that understanding that, like he had with Mane uh, on the left hand side yeah. with Diaz. So, listen, if Robbo stays in the team, which admittedly, you know, he probably will because. That's something that we can really, really put to teams, especially, as you say, with Salah or Doak the other side, you've got a big problem on the other side as well. It's going back to that, having two issues on the wing, like we did with Salah and Mane for so many years. It's just bad fitness. And hopefully he doesn't, doesn't have a massive injury again, because I think that would really, really stump his growth as, a, as an overall player. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with, with everything you've said. I think Diaz is—he's very different to everything else we have. He's—he's he's the magician of the of the attack, in my opinion. You know, he does things with the football that I don't think any of the other players can do. And 
You know, he's an absolute joy to watch. I remember being at the Crystal Palace game and obviously it didn't end the way we would have hoped. But just seeing him score that goal, I was like, yeah, this guy's unbelievable. It was Leicester, um, his first game at Anfield. I was there in, in the cop and on that cold night and he just tore, tore, tore Leicester apart in the, in the first 45 minutes that he'd ever played at Anfield. So it was like... This guy just came and instantly made an impact for us. Cardiff City on his, I think that was his debut. Maybe I can't remember now. It's, it, yeah, it would have been. Blur. He came off the bench, didn't he? Yeah, 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 exactly. And he did that little turn, that little skill, and then pulled the ball back into the box. Um, and he went down with the injury, never flattered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> holding his knee, yeah. Um, he's a he's a top player, and I know people will say, "Oh, his goals need to come," and you know, his output, whatever. Fair enough. But at the end of the day don't be moaning when there's no creativity in the attack or when we don't have a player that can, you know, make things happen out of nothing. You know, low block teams, he's going to be the best, I think, suited to play against those from the left-hand side at least. But, um, yeah, I think that's all we need to discuss on the game. I think we've spoken about it enough and everything that happened in that game that went wrong. We've already discussed a million times, so we're not going to dwell on it too much. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool basically need to improve. That's the bottom line. Uh, let me just tweet out we're talking about Lavia, get some people in there. Um, but yeah, you guys will have known, and I know there's been another report. Like I say, we'll wait until something else becomes more reliable about an extra bid. But before the game, I thought, guys, we were just coming on here to talk about the game, to just relax, just quick 40 minute stream, you know, <laughs> be in and out kind of thing. But um, Melissa Reddy, I believe it was, who got the first report out there. So shout out to her. I mean, I don't know how she did it before Paul Joyce. Maybe she knows all that Southampton, I don't know. But um, <laughs> this is obviously the man we all look for. Liverpool's offer for Romeo Lavia again fell short of the figure the championship club are seeking. Amid suggestions that the price at which they would do business is above the 50 million threshold previously mentioned now. Paddy, I'm going to come to you because this is a new voice on the Lavia topic. Me and Elliot are sick to death of talking about this kid. <laughs> like we are. I'm yeah. sure he's an absolute baller, but we are just <laughs> so fed up, mate. So we're going to come to you straight away. Um, after all Liverpool seemingly dilly-dallying over this guy, submitting bids that are £3 million more than the previous one that was rejected, to now get close to the £50 million valuation, to then supposedly <laughs> be told that it's now going to be above £50 million. What do you think? Well, first of all, what are your thoughts on this whole saga? Give us that. And then what do you think Liverpool need to do? Because this has just gone on for so long now, hasn't it? Yeah, right. So, well, how long have we got? Um, yeah, just take it away, mate. <laughs> Liverpool have absolutely took the mick with this. Um, they've absolutely just... They've, I don't understand Liverpool's positioning on it. I really don't. It's the first time... In a while, Liverpool are in the market in a position of needing to improve. Uh, and clubs obviously know this. And I don't begrudge Southampton one bit for, for holding out for what they want. Because at the end of the day, he is probably their prized asset. It's him and James Ward-Prowse, um, really. It looks as though Prowse, Ward-Prowse will be staying. Because obviously, you know, all the goings on at West Ham at the minute. But... Liverpool have been really amateur during this, and it's really unlike them. McAllister and Sobberslai were done within what, a couple of days, a week at most. And that's what that's been the case for the majority of Liverpool signings for the last six years, probably going back to Van Dijk. Uh, I think Van Dijk was probably the last saga we had. But this has been ridiculous and I don't want to go on a massive rant about the owners, but I feel like I'm going to. Um, <laughs> go ahead, mate. I, I feel like I've got to qualify myself for this conversation because people who, who go the game and that really find it difficult to understand where people come from. I've been going to Anfield since I was seven. So just to get that in there, I'm not some fellow who sits on Twitter and moans. I go week in, week out. And... Just because it was bad in the 90s when you were growing up does not mean it has to be bad now. And we've got to be grateful for what these people are doing. They bought a very undervalued asset at the time. Done great things, obviously. Done great things for Liverpool. 
transforming club into whatever. I was probably Jürgen Klopp, but um, they are now treating the fans with contempt, I think, by keeping us in the dark as to what's happening. Because everyone and the dog can see Liverpool are about three players short at this minute in time. They're mm-hmm. a defensive midfielder short. They're probably two defensive midfielders short, to be honest. And we are a left-sided centre-back short as well. The fact that year upon year, Liverpool are posting record revenues and are still money-balling in the transfer market is just ridiculous to me. It's obscene. I, I don't... They don't care whether Liverpool win trophies. I, I wholeheartedly believe this now. FSU do not care whether Liverpool are successful on the pitch. All they care about is the fact that I'll wake up on Wednesday morning, I'll go on the 13th for sale, I'll get my tickets. They've got my money then. I, I fully believe... Tomorrow, mate. Exactly. They are only bothered about the revenues they can make from the club. And I'm sure if you spoke to a Boston Red, Red Sox fan, they'd speak the same type of thing. Because from what I saw on Twitter, it's, it's a lot of the same goings on over there. Granted, yeah, they gone and got McAllister, so I was like, great, superb start to the rebuild. Um, and all of a sudden, you, you then lose your, basically two senior midfielders, um, which sort of puts you back to square one in terms of bodies, essentially. Liverpool have just been so unlike themselves over this Lavia deal. The, the bargain over three million quid, I really don't get it, to, to be perfectly honest. Southampton have been very rigid in what they want. And yet you can say, oh, the championship team re- rejecting this amount of money and, and whatever. Listen, if, if you get relegated, you get parachute payments from the Premier League for years. They, they are not struggling for money. They're really, they're really not. Hence why they're holding out for this fee. They did it with Newcastle. Granted, it was a less fee for Livermento. But they've got this kid who they believe is going to be one of the world's best defensive midfielders. They've got every right to stick by the guns. Liverpool needs to stop acting like a, a small club in the transfer market if they are going to get back to where they were. Manchester City have just won the treble, the quadruple even, sorry, and gone and signed the perfect defender for Liverpool for 77 million quid or whatever it was in, in Yoko Bardiol. Would have been absolutely ideal for Liverpool, but no, we we've got to go go by the you know the budgets, the the margins, and all that. It's a load of yeah, it's it proper proper irks me. And you know you, you call them out, you call the owners out, you you say this and whatever. And uh, what about Hicks and Gillette? What about you know the nineties and that? Listen, that that was then. I want Liverpool to be successful now, um, and I I believe we're not going to be doing that again under these owners i, re- I really don't epitomize by this lab deal yeah no i listen that's that's completely fair and no i i agree with everything you've said i mean the fact that the second bid was three million increase you know i've had this argument with a couple of people as well like <laughs> i just i just don't get it because southampton said from day one that their price was 50 million you know put the first bid in by all means, put it below that, see what you can do, fine. But if they turn around to you and say, no, we are only accepting for 50 million, if this is the plan A, which it clearly is, because we've bid three flipping times for him now, like this is clearly who we want, get him in, let him play three games in pre-season, let him go to Singapore, let him meet his new teammates, let him meet his new manager, let him, you know, learn the new system. But if we want him now, Elliot, We've got to pay at least, Paul Joyce is saying, minimum 50 million. So we are going to end up paying at least what they would have wanted in the first place. So then it just makes his question, why have we just wasted three or four weeks doing this whole thing when we could have just got him for that price anyway? It's really bizarre this now. I mean, I I get the first bit going in and I would have got a third bit going in before pre-season, but with a week before, not even a week, but less than a week now before we're going to Stamford Bridge. One of the biggest games of the season, regardless if it's the first or not, Stamford yeah. Bridge, it's massive. And you go in there relying on Curtis Jones, who's only ever played in the six in a European competition for under-21s. Okay, you won it, but let's be honest, he's not a six. Matt Callis has only ever played there for Brighton, and I, I think he can play there, don't get me wrong, but Stamford Bridge away from home, 
you've got our biggest game of the season and you're penny pinching over a few million. Listen, I understand the penny pinching at the start of negotiations. Get the best deal you can. Liverpool have done that for years and it's worked wonders. However, the transfer market changes every single year and when Liverpool were very good at penny pinching, you could get away with it. You're seeing the most expensive 11s in, in world football now. Every player is 100 million minimum yeah. almost. It, you can't go around doing that. And listen, I, I think the owners may be potentially out of their death and I'm not going to add on to what Paddy's just said now a few years ago maybe not but I think they are these days I think just for Liverpool wanting to stay at the top they can't they can't have them in charge and I think that'll be why they probably put them up for sale or once the investments whatever that was shambles of a thing a few months ago probably more than a few months ago now they can't have them in charge. But I think also now with all these deals, or I say all these deals, literally just Lavia, I think you're not going to try and pronounce a second name. I think he's got to come under some scrutiny because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like, what, what are you trying to play at? Uh, you know, get it done. What's happening? Literally, everyone's asking the same question, what's happening? And the most bizarre thing is if he's in charge of these transfers, which is not just him, obviously, he's going to be, you know, him and Klopp discussing and the coaching staff, which is fine. Have the alternative. There does not seem to be any alternative. Every single transfer Liverpool have done for years now, there's been an alternative. Salah wasn't even the main target when you're looking back. I think mm. it was Brandt. I think someone may have just said that in the comments Julian as well. Brandt, yeah. yeah. Why waste the Lavian alternative? Because it's clear for everyone to see that they've put all of their eggs in one basket and it's in the most public eye that this deal is just a shambles. So where's the alternative? There's always been an alternative and I find it really bizarre and I feel like Jorg is going to have to come under some criticism. He's meant to be here for this summer or maybe even going on January. It's, it's effectively a trial and it's not going well because the two deals have been released clauses. Um which is fine, get them in, the brilliant players, we've seen that in pre-season, I'm really excited by them, but this is meant to be the biggest rebuild on the clock. We've lost two of the most senior midfielders who both could have played in the defensive midfield, or how well, it doesn't matter, they were, they were the special, or maybe not Henderson to a point, but Fabinho was the specialist in that position. You've got to have a backup, you can't put your legs all in one basket and have this absolute shambles play out. So, I mean, I think, uh, regards that, I think Liverpool probably do get him, but the way it's gone, Jesus Christ, it's been poor. Yeah. It's that's, been that's, really that's the poor. thing. What, once we get him over the line, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's not going to be a sense of happiness. It's not going to be a sense no. of, oh my God, what was that? It's just going to be a sense of relief and, oh my God, that took a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because the I thing agree. is with the alternative, if if there isn't an alternative, you get it done. But the waiting, the waiting, and waiting. So someone, everyone's going. It's a smoke screen. It's this. It's that. Because everyone's anticipating on someone else to be linked. But this Andre is not the same player. It's not the same player profile. He's from Brazil. That window's supposedly shut. That's all the whole drama. So what? What is that? It's Lavia or nothing, isn't it? So get it done. Get him in. Let him be the new the, the new kid in the block who's going to like run the midfield alongside these two new signings. But here we are, five, six days before Stamford Bridge, and we're going to have to rely on one of the new signings who's meant to be this crazy midfielder to sit deep. It doesn't, it just doesn't really make sense at all. Yeah, before I say my piece on what Ellis just said, and he's absolutely hitting it on the head, just smash the like button, guys. I can see there's 70 of you in the building right now, which is amazing. Please just consider smashing that like button. It takes two seconds of your time and it helps out the channel more than you will ever believe, as Pep Guardiola would say. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. You know, the day... I, I remember I was watching Op Oppenheimer in, um, in the cinema with my, with my brother and my, my family on the day Fabinho went and I got it from my Apple Watch. Fabinho's gone. And then... That was the date was officially announced by the club on the way home. I was like, oh, that means, you know, somebody must be imminent. There's no way you let, and look, no matter how bad he was or whatever your opinion is of Fabinho in 2023, um, that's fine. But you do not let the best DM we've had in probably the last 10 years minimum. Um, Javier Mascherano is probably the only contender in my lifetime, to be honest, that's been better than Fabinho. So, for me, that was criminal from the start, allowing him to walk away, go to Saudi. Don't begrudge him for that, by the way, uh, Henderson, but that's a different debate. Um, but you have to have replacements in, and especially for a position that is so important to how we play. 
it's just absolutely mind-boggling that we've allowed him to go with no plan. I'm sorry. I, I will try and be as positive and I try and stick up for these guys because that's my club. Like that's that's the club I love. But I just feel like I can't do it at the minute. I don't know who's at fault here. Probably the owners, to be honest. But whether it's George, whether it's Klopp and his, you know, stubbornness or whatever they say about him, I don't know who to pin the blame on. I will probably do the owners 99%, of course, because any other manager says to their owners that we're competing with, that's the player we want. They've just been relegated from Southampton. It's not rocket science. You go there and get that player. He'll be open to the move. The club will be open to selling them. Happy days. Why is it with us? The biggest club, and I will say the biggest club in England, because we are, I don't care about United's whatever, fan base in wherever. I don't care about that. We are the biggest club in England. We're the most decorated club. Why for us is it different where we can't even sign a player that's just been relegated for 50 million? I get it. That price might be over, you know, over what Liverpool value him at. But guess what? This is 2023. We've got Declan Rice going for 100 million. We've got Moises Caicedo, Brighton want 100 million for him. It's not that deep, like 50 million. We just sold Fabinho for 43. We made profit on him. We made profit on Fabinho, who is less than half the player he was when he came in. So it's just baffling for me. Um, I agree with Elliot. I, I, I still think Lavia will sign, which makes it, I don't know if that makes it less annoying or more annoying. I haven't worked that out yet. Because oh, it's if more. he signs now, yeah, yeah exactly. it's much more bizarre than it should be. Yeah, exactly. I just don't know where to go from here. Um, there's been talk of a new bid from a source, which is a questionable source, at least. I don't believe that will be true. Um, but one thing I will say, Paddy, coming back to you, is hopefully, mate, and I feel like I've said this so many times now, one way or another, we will find out soon what's going on because the season starts on Sunday. We've got so close to that 50 million valuation that they've put on his head. Surely now it's a simple case of finding out whether Liverpool is still going to go for him or if Liverpool have withdrawn their interest. You know, see, listen, with, with the Fabinho thing, I do think letting him go was a massive mistake purely because the current defensive midfield market is a bit crap. Um there's not really anyone out there within Liverpool's budgets that would do the job. Paisado's the one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go and blow a load of money on him and he would, would be fine. Liverpool would, would be absolutely fine. And that, would, I think, would lessen the need to bring in two midfielders. But I don't... I, I physically can't comprehend why Liverpool are doing what they're doing at the minute um, in terms of taking a week to add two million to your bid. What's the point? You, you've wasted another week this kid could have, could have had. You're, you're asking a lot of a kid as well to come in and, and basically be Liverpool's linchpin in midfield. Paul Mason did a really good video. Um, I think it would have been on Sunday. About experience in your team. You need your goalkeeper, you need one of your centre arse and you need your DM to be experienced heads you can sort of let your attacking talent go and be erratic you know Benzo will be erratic because of of his age and and lack of um lack of experience and, and whatnot but having a 19 year old is well a 19 year old and an 18 year old and Stefan Vezic as your two main DMs is I wouldn't go as far to say worrying I just go say it's not really ideal Lavia would have been perfect had Fabinho stayed because you know you could have rotated him and out in and out the team and not lump the pressure on say if he signs before Friday and go yeah you're starting for Liverpool at Stamford Bridge on the opening day of the season good luck please um it, it's just amateur it's it's simply amateur for Liverpool this this should have been wrapped up a month ago um you know what if we sign him this week and that happens that will be the icing on the cake of this whole saga like you've yeah, no, it, it, it will then it, it just will. Um, but again, Liverpool need to do more business. It's not just about Lavia coming in. They need to mm-hmm. go and get a centre-back. Mm-hmm. They, they really have to go and get a left centre-half. Uh, and again, there's not many about. Um, Guardiola has gone to City. Van der Ven's has gone to Spurs. Why, why weren't Liverpool in for these players? Liverpool have the money to go in for these players. 
it's just they don't want him, um, which is it's pro- it's proper disheartening to be honest. You're seeing teams improve around you; they're spending money. I'm I'm not big good in the fact that I haven't spent money this summer. Well, actually, really <laughs> haven't after Fabinho and Henderson have gone. Um, they, they, they they'll never learn. After 2018, we signed Allison. We signed Van Dijk. We won the Champions League. There's your evidence. You spend money, you get success. Simple as. There we are, Elliot. It's, it's it's that simple, isn't it? Like if you if you if you go for the right players, you give Klopp the tools. The the proof is in the pudding, yeah. mate. Like yeah. we shift, we shaped up the squad, but like Paddy says, after seventeen eighteen, on the back of a Champions League heartbreak, you go in, you get a superstar keeper, you get in a centre back. Obviously, I know that was a few months before. We get Fabinho, we get a few others, and the squad is refreshed and ready to go again. So why are they so reluctant to do that again? It's you can't you can't give a reason, can you? Because there isn't a reason because they shouldn't be reluctant at all. They should have given Klopp everything to go and do what he's already done. Because as you said, the proof is important. We've had some of the greatest nights of our lives because of that man, and he's being held back to an extent, but it's just a period now because you've got a. You, you sh- I am excited for this new season, as I'm sure you two are. But you've got this in the back of your mind, going, "What if this happens?" Or, "Oh, there's not a prophecy at the end there because because Liverpool are just taking the mick a little bit." And yeah, the the CDM should be well sorted. So there's a left centre half, but listen, they've done late business very briefly on the clock, and it was Thiago and Jota. They've done a few more deals, haven't they? Which probably didn't go to plan. But I think it's fingers crossed now. We're just waiting to see because there's no point in really trying to delve in and kind of explain why. Because I don't think you can. Because Liverpool should have had this well done, and it's mad to me that they probably. Well, I think it's for definite they didn't anticipate Fabinho go and they didn't have any plan in place for that that's mad to me because you should have a plan in place for someone you've accepted the bid for how isn't that how isn't that aligned with your transfer plans because it seemed to me that the plan was always for being here i think i've said that about 500 times on these podcasts if Fabinho goes line someone up they haven't done that and then Fabinho's gone they've only lined lavia up it's all just very as you said had before amateurish and your child, I don't think should be getting extended. But if we see that happen, I'll be, I'll be very <laughs> as, as disheartened because he's just not gone well. I don't think you can say. There's rumours that he only he, he's operating from his villa. In, <laughs> I be like, <laughs> yeah. that, that 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 tells you all you need to know. My my thing is another thing. There's so many things seemingly going wrong behind the scenes. Liverpool have had three directors of football or sporting or whatever yeah. in the past year and a half. E- even the stand isn't going to be ready. Like, it's That's just annoying. Oh, it's just loads of like negativity you don't need leading up to a Premier League season. Liverpool should have had the business done. They should have had a replacement for Fabinho done. They should have got the stand done on time. <laughs> I-, I know it's got nothing to do with, with transfers, but it's just fun. another piece of negativity. Yeah. Oh, I, I 100% agree what you're saying. And this is another point as well. We should definitely hope Lavi doesn't play tomorrow because I believe he'll then be cup-tied, right? Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. And the Carabao Cup is probably for us where we're going to use him to, to bed in, should he sign. So, yeah. I think I Southampton, I'd just play him out of spite me. <laughs> yeah, I think they will do that. I yeah, genuinely think I mean, they'll do that. 90th minute. <laughs> just that ridiculous. <laughs> I think the fact that he didn't play at all in the opening game. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. I think they they were expecting a third bid, but they probably expected Liverpool to put the money down. Like, okay, we've rejected two now. Give us the money sort of thing. Um, one of the, just before we close, this is the thing that annoys me the most. And I don't want to go into it too much because time has gone so quickly. But um, this is the most frustrating part. Like, we were supposedly getting Jude Bellingham and then that falls apart. And then we're told, oh, actually, Liverpool are going to be more smart with their money. They're going to invest it in four or five players instead of getting one. Um, this is the biggest shake-up in Jurgen Klopp's tenure, blah, 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 blah. And then we've got two players um, and we've lost six <laughs> or seven. And I'm not look, I'm not going to be one of these people that put that list up and say, oh, Oxlade-Chamberlain needs replacing, Naby Keita, they don't need replacing. They, they never played anyway. No matter how much I love Naby, he never played. Um, so they don't need replacing. It's Henderson that needs replacing. It's Fabinho that needs replacing. And a couple more that, you know, 
like Milner, he did give us minutes. So we needed at least three coming in minimum. That's the absolute bare minimum. And that's what people were saying before those guys went anyway, that we needed two or three. So yeah, it is concerning. It is weird, but we just got to hope that there's a reason why things are taking long and something will will happen this week and we'll all be happy come Friday. So that's all I can hope for, really. Just before I go, I must shout out um, our preview show that's coming up on Thursday evening, 7pm. Uh, I'll be live. I think Elliot's coming on that one as well with yeah. Keir Free Lewis of Chelsea Fan TV. You guys might know him on Twitter. I think he's got loads of followers. Um, I think he's got 30k subs as well on YouTube. So yeah, Carefree Lewis is here for the first ever TAT preview show on Thursday. So make sure you tune into that one and uh, smash this like button on the way out, guys. The 60 of you in here, make sure you do that for us. Check out your foot card, use the discount code. I will see you next time, guys. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.